Well, good evening. I am excited and thankful to have the opportunity to bring the message again here tonight. Please know that I do not take these opportunities for granted. Man, every time the Lord parts the waters for me to be able to do this, it just blows my mind. Each and every time it blows my mind. So thank you all for just the love and the support that you guys have always shown me. You're my family. You're my family, and I, I love you guys. I'm excited about the message tonight. I'm titling tonight's message, It's Not Too Late. It's not too late. So if anybody comes in late tonight, you can feel free to share with them. That's not too late. Um, when I hold my hand up to my ear, I want you all to try to repeat that with me, okay? We're going to try it, see how it goes. We're going to repeat the title. Are you ready? It's not too late. Good job. Excellent. Keep that up. I'm going to give you additional opportunities to do that tonight. So be prepared. If you see me do this, don't leave me hanging. Um, I won't know what to do. But the reason why I'm going to have you all repeat that statement tonight is because I'm hoping that it sinks in. I'm hoping that it sinks in. I really believe that there are people that need to leave here tonight truly believing that it's not too late. You see, I believe what God's word says about Satan. I believe that what it says about our enemy is true. I believe that we really do have an enemy who is the king of deception. Revelations 12, 9 says that he goes around deceiving the entire world. We really have an enemy who seeks to kill and destroy, and he is out to, to devour whoever he can. That is real. That is truth. But God's word, thankfully, shows us how we can stand up and defend ourselves against the enemy's attacks, how we can learn his tactics, how we can be prepared for them, how we can identify them, and then praise God through the power of Jesus, how we can overcome his tactics. Amen? Well, do you know what I think one of his top tactics is that he likes to try to use in order to deceive us, in order to destroy us? Being the king of deception that he is, I think one of his top tactics is trying to deceive us into always thinking, it's too late. It's too late. He loves to whisper that little lie into our ears. So he'll tell you, it's too late to overcome that sin tendency you've always dealt with your whole life. Like your dad, he wrestled with that sin tendency. Your granddad even wrestled with that sin tendency. You've wrestled with it for 40 years now. It's just too late for the Lord to help you overcome that now. Or... It'll be, it's too late for you to have a marriage that is actually alive and thriving and God-honoring. You've been in that dead marriage for 25 years now. It's too late for God to turn it around at this point. So you might as well just accept that it's never going to change or just leave them because it's too late for God to do anything about it. Have you ever heard these lies? Or he'll say, that job that you're in, that, that gives you no fulfillment, that gives you no purpose, that you just do because you've always done it, 
and, and you've noticed that maybe the Lord is opening other, up, other opportunities, but, but you're like, man, it's just too late now. It's just too late. If he wanted me to do something else, he would have done it a long time ago. It's too late at this point. How about this one? Don't even bother reaching out to that friend or that family member. You ruined that relationship a long time ago. It's just, it's too late now. I just want us to take a moment tonight to recognize that this is one of the enemy's tactics. He loves to deceive us in this way. Because our God is a God of hope. He is a God of hope. So the enemy will do whatever he can to rob us of that hope. To keep us in darkness, to keep us in misery, to keep us in fear, and to keep us in doubt. So we have to be able to recognize his tricks. And whenever he comes and whenever he begins whispering those lies in his ear, in our ears, we can know that we can respond with a firm, confident reply back that says, Man, Dallas, they are good. That was impressive. The passage of scripture that we're going to be in tonight is John chapter 11. John chapter 11, and y'all, this passage is going to make it abundantly clear that it is never too late for God to resurrect seemingly hopeless situations in our lives. So turn with me to John chapter 11. It's going to be on the screen also, but this chapter... It gives us the story of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. Now, these three siblings, they were close friends of Jesus. They weren't in the 12 disciples, but they were in Jesus' inner core. And Jesus would often come and stay at their house when he was in their hometown of Bethany. Jesus loved them. He loved them. He cared about them. They were his friends. And I want us to read about together what was going on in their life. Now, I'm going to kind of pre-warn you a little bit. We're going to read a lot of scripture together tonight. We're going to break it up into bite-sized chunks um, so that it's easier to understand. But man, don't zone out when we go into the word. The Lord may have something for you in his word that I don't have time to touch on tonight. You don't want to miss it. It may be just for you and it's so good. We're going to start out by reading verses 1 through 7 together. John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. His brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, they sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. I'm going to read the purpose of this situation one more time. Jesus said this was the purpose. He said, it is for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, okay, now... Let us go to Judea again. Who does that? Right? Like, who does that? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Does that make a lot of sense to you? Like, if Candace 
my friend that I love and care about. If she calls me and she's sick and she, she needs me, I'm going to do everything I can to drop everything and go be with her. Why does Jesus respond the way that he does? It's clear. Scripture just told us that Jesus loved this family, right? And Lazarus is sick, so sick that, that his sisters send word to Jesus for help. And once Jesus finds out, he decides to just stay where he is for two more days. That doesn't seem very loving to us, does it? That doesn't seem very caring to us on the surface. Well, after the two days pass by, I'm going to paraphrase the next part for you. Jesus, then he decides to go back to Mary and Martha. And the disciples are not too happy about this. The disciples are like, Jesus, we cannot go back to Judea. We were just there, and they were literally trying to stone you there. Danger awaits us there. We can't go back. And Jesus is insistent. He's like, look, Lazarus has already died. And then he tells the disciples, for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you can see what I'm about to do and so that you too can believe. I'm glad I wasn't there. But he was insistent that they go back anyways. And I love this part. Then Doubting Thomas, remember Doubting Thomas? He pipes up once he realizes there's no reason to argue with Jesus. Jesus is going back. Thomas is like, well, let us go with you too so that we may also die. That's literally what Thomas says. I love the Bible, y'all. It's, it's so real. Let's keep reading verses 17 through 27. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Mary didn't even go. She didn't even get up and go. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, Jesus, if you just would have shown up, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Point number one tonight. Sometimes God delays for the purpose of his glory. Sometimes God delays for the purpose of his glory. Can you hear it in Mary's voice when she's like, Lord, if you just would have been here. Like, did you not get my letter? If you just would have shown up when I was asking you to, this would have never happened. I bet as, as she was with Lazarus, as he was getting worse, as his condition was declining, she was just sitting there waiting on Jesus to show up. Y'all, she did that because she had faith. Because she had faith. That's why she sent the letter to begin with. She had faith, and I think she really believed if Jesus would just show up, he could heal him. He could change everything. 
And because she had faith, that is why it hurt so much when he didn't show up when she asked him to. When she was wanting him to, that, that hurt her. Man, have you been there? I've been there before. God, I know, I know you can do it. God, I believe that you can do this if you will just show up. I know, I know that you can do it. God, if you love me, like you say that you love me, like your word says that you love me, like I thought that you love me, why won't you show up? Why won't you move? Well, sometimes God delays for the purpose of his glory. Sometimes he waits until the dead body has been in the tomb for four days, stinking and rotting, before he decides to show up. Sometimes he waits till the situations seem so desperate and so hopeless that we begin to think that there is no way light can come through that darkness. Sometimes, y'all, he waits until it's flat out impossible. Because guess what? Impossibility doesn't scare him one bit. Not one bit. He's not intimidated here by the fact that Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. His power does not quake at the reality of that. It just doesn't. Look, our situations, they may seem hopeless to us sometimes. We may have actually started to buy into the enemy's lie that it's just, it's just too late. My life is not turning out like I thought it would. This career is not turning out like I thought it would. My marriage is not turning out like I thought it would. And we buy into his lies that it's too late. It's just too late. Now, did you notice, I didn't, wasn't going to say this, but did you notice that when, whenever Martha, whenever Jesus tells Martha, your brother will, will rise again, and she's like, um, yeah, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. It's like Jesus offers her a bit of hope. She just shuts it down. Because it's like she's grieving so much that she can't even stand to hope anymore. Have you been there? Like you don't even want to hope anymore. You don't even want to let it creep in because you've been grieving about this for so long. If you get a bit of encourage about it from the Lord, you just shut it right down. I think that's what Martha was doing there. Like Jesus is like, hey, your brother's going to rise again. And she's like, yeah, 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 at the last day. Like she was afraid to even have hope. Sometimes we become so convinced that it's just too late, but I'm telling you, it's not too late. Can you say it with me one more time? The truth is, the truth is God just doesn't have to get into a hurry. He just, he doesn't have to get into a hurry. If you were here Sunday morning, Dallas talked about that, and I think his first point was something like, Jesus didn't get into a hurry, and y'all, I was sitting right there, and my jaw about hit the floor. Like, I could not believe that he was talking about that. Um, I wrote this message, I finished it Friday afternoon, and if I'm being completely honest with y'all, and I can do that because you know me, and hopefully you love me anyways, as he's getting up here talking about it, I start to panic, and I'm like, He's talking about that, and I was going to talk about that, and now he's talking about it, and thank goodness he is talking about it because he's doing a better job than I ever could have done talking about it. But what am I going to talk about because I was going to talk about that, and now what? I mean, anybody else in here a mental basket case? Like, can you all relate to that? That is what goes on in here. Thankfully, the Lord shut that down real quick, and he reminded me, hey, Tara, this is not the first time that this has happened. 
honestly, more often than not, I think when I have spoken, either the person who was speaking after me or the person who was speaking before me said a similar thing that the Lord laid on my heart to say. And I have learned when that happens, instead of let it make me feel insecure and nervous, to instead let it empower me and make me bold because that is clear evidence that the Holy Spirit is saying something that somebody in here needs to hear. So if somebody didn't get it on Sunday morning, Dallas, and, and the Lord needed me to say it again tonight. So the crazy thing is he had Dallas's wife, Morgan, simultaneously reading the same book that I was reading, and we didn't even know it, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And we were apparently both so excited about it, Morgan, that you wanted to tell Dallas, he put it into his message, and I was so excited about it, I'll put it into my message. Also tonight, you could hear about how you don't need to hurry. But the truth is, God, he just, he doesn't get in a hurry. We don't understand what that's like, do we? Man, I am the queen of to-do lists. I'm the queen of to-do lists. I love them. I have them in my purse. I have them in my car. I have them in the office. I love a to-do list because when I get to cross something off, I get that little bit of euphoric feeling every time that I do that line thing, you know. I, I like to get things done, and it causes me to constantly be in a hurry. We don't understand what it's like to not have to be in a hurry. And I think that's because our power, our control, it's so finite. It's so limited that we end up spending three-fourths of our lives in a hurry attempting to control things achieve things, keep things together, stay afloat, do whatever we can to keep it all together. Y'all, God did not intend for us to live like this. We are supposed to be disciples of Jesus. We are his apprentices. We're supposed to live how he lived, and Jesus didn't get in a hurry. He doesn't want us to live that way, so he invites us. He's like, hey, my yoke is easy. And my burdens are light. Come put it on. Come try it on. You're going to like it. You don't have to live like this, rushing around all the time. If you'll just come in the morning before you start your to-do list mania that you do, come to me. Start depending and relying on me instead of yourself. Come try on my yoke. And your burdens will be easier. You don't have to rush around, weighed down all the time. You just don't have to live that way. God. He doesn't have to get into a hurry. But see, we have to remind ourselves of that. When we're asking God to show up and we want him to move right now in this situation, we have to remember he doesn't work like we work. He doesn't have to get into a hurry because his power is not limited like ours. It's not finite like ours. It is unlimited. He is all-powerful, so he works on his own schedule, and he never has to get into a hurry. So sometimes he delays for the purpose of his glory so that when he does decide to step in and move, it will then be impossible to believe that anyone else could have resurrected that situation but him. So sometimes he waits. But do you want to hear the good news? The good news is that when he does delay, y'all, he is so compassionate with us during the delay 
point number two tonight is God is compassionate during the delay. I probably had a typo there. That's my bad. It should be compassionate during the delay. Let's continue reading. We're going to be still in John 11, just the next verses, 28 through 37. Stay focused in on this with me. When she, being Martha, had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. When Mary heard it this time, she did arise, and she went quickly to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were there with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise up quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Do you hear the accusation in her voice right there? Can you hear it? Listen to the way he responds to it. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Do you hear that cynical attitude creeping in? Man, have you thought those same things yourself? Like, could not the God who had parted the Red Sea have made a way for me in this situation? Was that too much to ask to get the promotion, to get that job? Is that the same God? Could not the same God who healed the lame and the blind have kept me from getting this diagnosis? Like so easily that cynical attitude can start to, to come to us. And, and I can hear it in Mary's voice too. Like she's the same way. Like Jesus, if you just would have shown up. If you just would have shown up when we asked you to, this would have been different. But even with her accusing tone, Jesus' compassion for her, Jesus' love for her, y'all, it literally overwhelmed him. It overwhelmed him. He had every right to be like, Mary, who are you to question me, the Son of God? But he didn't respond to her pain like that, did he? Even while she was still mad at him, his compassion for her overwhelmed him. And it says that he was deeply moved and troubled in spirit and that he wept with her. Y'all, that is who Jesus is. He wasn't just having an emotional day that day. That is who our Savior is day in and day out. I would be willing to bet that there has been a time in every single person's life in this room that he has wept with us. That's the kind of Savior that we have. In the same moment that through clenched teeth we're mad at him for not doing it the way we thought it should be done, for not showing up when, when we thought he should show up. His compassion, his love for us overwhelms him. He's more heartbroken for us than we even are to ourselves for ourselves. And he's like, come here, come here. Let me carry you through this. Let, let me carry you through this. This is just delay, but delays are hard. And like a child who can't stand, like a parent who, who can't stand to see their child in pain, he's like, come here. 
and he is deeply moved and troubled in spirit over our grief, and he weeps with us. Keep in mind, in this story that we just read, he knew exactly what he was getting ready to do in like, in just a few minutes. He knew what was coming, and yet he still wept with them in that moment because he realized that they just didn't know yet. He knows, y'all, he knows how your story is going to end. He knows that he's going to work it out for good, but, but he still weeps with you because he knows you just don't know yet. You just don't know yet. And his compassion towards you during the delay, it is unending. Lamentations 3.22 says, says his compassion never fails. It will never fail you. You can always run to him during the delay and you will be met with his love and his compassion. Delays aren't easy and he knows that so he will carry you through them. But during the delay, don't let the enemy rob you of your hope. Y'all, don't let the enemy rob you of your hope. Don't let him keep whispering into your ear that it's just too late. It's just too late. He wants you in fear and darkness. Look, we have every reason to believe. When we're in the delay, we have every reason to believe that the Lord is going to work on our behalf. We have every reason to believe that he is going to move, that he is going to work things together for our good because his word, his word assures us that he's going to. So let's recap for a moment. Point number one, sometimes God delays for the purpose of his glory. But point number two, God is compassionate during the delay. And then lastly, point number three, God resurrects for the purpose of his glory. God resurrects for the purpose of his glory. Let's finish reading this together. Verses 38 through 44. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, he's still being compassionate, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. She's still hung up on it, right? She's like, maybe you didn't hear me the first time I told you, Jesus. It's been four days now. Four days. Four days, Jesus. Jesus said to her, listen to this part. We're going to come back to it in a minute. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you? that if you believed, you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I say this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. When the situation could not have looked more hopeless, God moved. And when he moved, it was abundantly clear that only the Son of God could have done that. Look, if if Jesus would have shown up when Mary and Martha wanted him to, when Lazarus just started to get sick, man, 
if he was just coughing a little and Jesus would have come, they would have been glad he came, but people would have thought, oh, it was just a, just a virus. He just got better. Maybe they would have credited Mary and Martha and been like, oh, they were such good caretakers. They just nursed him right back to health. If Jesus would have shown up when he had only been dead one day, back then they could have been like, oh, he was just sleeping. He was just, he was just in a coma. He, he, he wasn't really dead yet. Jesus waited. He waited until it would be abundantly clear that God did what only God could do, right? You think you can fix your situation yourself? He'll wait a little bit. You think there's somebody else who can come in, some outside factor who can come in and, and fix it? He'll wait till that option runs out to. He wants you to realize it's only him. And it has always been only him who could do it and who did it. And can I be honest with you tonight? These things that we go through, these situations that you're facing, it's not just about you. The situations that I face, they're, they're not just about me. God resurrects situations for the purpose of his glory, but not just so that he can get glory from you. And not just so that he can get glory from me. He didn't resurrect Lazarus just so that he can get glory from Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Remember what he told the disciples in the beginning? He told them, hey, look, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you can see what I'm about to do and so that you can believe, so that your faith will be strengthened. And then as he prayed for Lazarus to be raised up from that tomb, he said, look, I'm not, I'm not saying this, Lord, because I know you hear me. I'm saying it so that everybody else realizes that you hear me, so that everyone else realizes your power. He doesn't just want glory only from you. Look, it's not just about you. Somebody needs to hear about the resurrection that you're waiting on for God to work in your life so that when God does it, they too can believe. And some of us in here, God has already worked miracles in our life. Y'all, he's already worked miracles in my life. He's already resurrected hopeless situations that you've gone through. And, and some of us, we have these incredible testimonies of God's goodness and his power and his grace. And we just keep them all bottled up inside of us. Yeah, we've, we've given him glory over it. We have. We have praised him. We've thanked him. Thank you, Jesus. Like, we have done that. But we have robbed him of the additional glory that he so deserved by not opening up our mouths and telling somebody about it. Be willing to open up your mouth and tell someone what Jesus has done for you. Tell them about how, how you waited on the resurrection. Tell them about how he met you in the delay, about how he wept with you there. And then tell them about how, praise God, he brought you out of the tomb. Tell them about it so that they too can see and believe. When Lazarus came out of that tomb, Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. Some of you in here tonight, 
God sent me, and God wants you to hear that, unbind them and let them go. You're like, oh, I'm a private person. I just, people don't need to know my business. I'm just a private person. Really? Really? Like God did that for you? And you're going to rob him of the glory that he deserves? You need to hear it tonight. Unbind him and let him go. Worship team, you all can come tonight. In closing tonight, truthfully, I can't stand up here and tell you that every situation that everyone in this room has been praying about, that God is going to work it out. That he's going to work it out exactly how you've been praying, that he would work it out. It's going to happen. Man, I wish I could say that. I wish I could say that so much, but... His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. So I can't say that tonight. As much as I wish that I could, I can't. But do you know what I can say? I can repeat to you those same words that Jesus said to Martha. He said, did I not tell you? Did I not tell you if you believed that you would see the glory of God? Y'all, that I can say with 100% confidence as you go through these situations, as it's hard, as you're in the delay, I can tell you that when you hold on to your faith and you keep walking in obedience and you keep believing, I can with 100% confidence tell you that you will see the glory of God in that situation. Now, the glory of God may, may look different than you expected it. It may come later than you had hoped it would. But His glory is still His glory, and y'all, nothing tops it. Nothing tops it. So I just want to challenge you tonight. Those, those hard situations that you've been praying for, replace your prayers. Maybe try instead of Instead of trying to micromanage the almighty creator of the universe and tell him, hey, I want you to do this, and could you show up, and could you be here, and could you move in this way? Maybe instead of doing that, just say, God, I want to see your glory. God, over my family, I just want to see your glory. Over my marriage, God, could you just show us your glory? God, over my kids who maybe haven't made the best decisions right now, God, show us your glory. God, over this church, I don't really know what to pray all the time, but God, please show us your glory. God, just show up and fill that place with your glory. Just show us your glory. Because I know that nothing tops that. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The same God that brought Lazarus out of that tomb is the one that you're asking to intervene for you. And his glory it will always be seen no matter what. So the enemy can come to us all he wants. And he can try to whisper in our ear that, that, that it's just too late. But we know better. We know that our God, he always has the final word, right? It's never too late until he says it's too, it's too late. He always has the final word. So can you say it with me one more time? Can we try it one more time? Thank you. Look, if there's anything that the Lord's dealing with you tonight, 
you're welcome to come and pray. I did want to say one thing. If you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, or maybe you have, but you've never made that public, or maybe you've never followed in baptism before because the enemy's been saying, oh, it's too late for that. You know, you, you do that when you're a kid, and now you're all grown up. If you do it now, it's just weird. It's too late for that. Y'all, I got baptized just a few years ago, and my life took a total different trajectory after that simple step of obedience. If that's you in here tonight, and, and your baptism's out of order, or or you need to publicly make your profession of faith, it's not too late. You can always do that too. Um, I just felt led to say that. Let's pray and then we'll stand and worship. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are a God of hope and that you are a God of resurrection and victory. Father, I praise you. God, I pray that we would leave here tonight encouraged. God, I pray that if there's anything that we need to lay at your feet, if we need to stop micromanaging you, God, if we need to stop being mad at you and bitter at you, God, I pray that you would enable us through your loving kindness to do that and that we would, we would get a chance to just see your glory. Father, that's what we want more than anything as we all agree in this room right now. We just want to see your glory. So, God, would you work like only you can work? And we give you honor and praise for it, and we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, let's stand and we'll worship together.